experience this year and I hope um, it's been your constant attention over Easter, uh, Christmas rather, <laughs> and uh, the New Year and also Acts 16 which is where the church began. So I, I've really been looking forward to sharing this morning and just opening my heart about this amazing God we serve. Um, I want to let, ask you to let your imagination run a little bit today. Just let the Holy Spirit kind of go with it. And uh, just remembering those prophetic words that both uh, Dorian and Alec brought about this is the time to go deeper. So God, we just give you the ministry of your word. We just pray that it is just that. It's the ministry of your word. Speak very strongly and clearly into our hearts, we pray today. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we're on the on the button, Martin. Yeah, great. So, I'm going to read the passage. Just before Christmas, I gave you a bit of a foretaste of verses 1 and 2. So we're, 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 we're biting off um, eight verses today. And, and then I'm going to speak next week. And then it's various members of, of the church will be speaking. And so this is something, as a church, it would be really lovely to get into this, this book and, and uh, let it speak very strongly to us. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. I thank God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for you, I always pray with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he that began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, that you will be able to discern what is best and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Thank you, God, for your word. Now, as you'll have noticed, New Year is a time when we kind of think about life a little bit more. We, we kind of make promises and to ourselves and resolutions. It's usually around diets. Anyone made a diet promise to themselves? One, two. Or disciplines. Or about um, ambitions and dreams. And uh, it's a question, how bold should we dream? How bold should we decide? Uh, to resolve what, what God has for us. Has, has anyone kind of made any kind of hopes and dreams for the new year? Yeah, just one. I got a few hands. <laughs> got a few. I praise the Lord. Anyway, how bold should we be? How bold do we dare to be? How much um, do we know the things we can do and that we have the low-hanging fruit, the kind of easy wins? Uh so as I was thinking about this, I, I, I read the prayer of a famous sea captain, Sir Francis Drake. Anyone heard of Sir Francis Drake? Golden Hind. One of the very first people to sail all the way around the world in a boat that was, wasn't very big. And this is a prayer he prayed. Are you ready for this prayer? Okay. Disturb us, O Lord, when we are too pleased with ourselves. Which is kind of what Alec was saying. 
Disturb us, O Lord, when we are too pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have come true because we dream too little. When we arrive safely because we sail too close to the shore. There's a lot of wows in this prayer. <laughs> Disturb us, O Lord, when the abundance of the things we possess, with the abundance of the things we possess, we've lost our thirst for the waters of life. Do you get the sense this guy knew God? Yeah, I do too. <laughs> Having fallen in love with life, we've ceased the dream of eternity. And in our efforts to build a new earth, we have allowed our vision of the new heaven to dim. Disturb us, O Lord, to dare more boldly to venture on wilder seas where storms will show your mastery, where losing sight of land we'll we shall find the stars. We ask you to push back the horizons of our hopes and to push back the future in strength, courage, hope and love. This we ask in the name of our captain, who is Jesus Christ. That's a bold prayer, isn't it? <laughs> Not quite sure how willing I offer how often I am to pray that prayer. How, pr how bold should our prayers should be? And sometimes it's good to be disturbed. Uh, does God ever disturb you in a good way? You go, you know, God, just, I don't want to be complacent. I don't want to think we've arrived. I don't think there's so much more, as Paul shared, there's so much more for this year. So much more. But he's also famous for another prayer. And, you know, it's sometimes those, those resolutions, those things that we pray, you know, how confident are we that we're going to carry them on? The things that we begin, do we kind of have the, what it takes to carry them through? And perhaps Francis Drake is more famous for this prayer. It's not the beginning, but the continuing of the same unto the end until it be thoroughly finished, which yields the true glory. So it's often the case when we have a new dream or, or a new resolution or a new project that everyone's really excited about it, isn't it? It's quite easy to generate enthusiasms when you're doing something new. Has anyone experienced that? You know, new house, new job, you know, new project. Actually, that's the easy bit. Where it gets harder is seeing life through. And that can be tough and finishing and finishing well gives glory to God and we were at a funeral of a dear friend on Friday and, and it was just so good just to see how God enabled them to finish well and Paul in this letter talks a lot about finishing well he's in prison with the sentence of death over his head and he says, he says I know I shan't be ashamed whether it's in death or in life that God will give me the courage to face what I have to face that's my translation <laughs> And he says, I, you know, I don't want to think I've arrived, but I want to press on to that which God has got hold of me for. And uh, yeah, yeah, laying aside the things that have been and pressing on. So there's something about pursuing God in a way that keeps going. Yeah? It's not just the Monday, it's the Thursday and the Friday. So I wanted you just to think about God a little bit, all right? just what his dreams are. Okay? So I want to apply this concept of finishing well to God. Can you bear with that a minute? So applying this to God, think of, think of 
how God envisaged and dreamed about creation. All right? So he envisaged the planets and the earth and the stars. He thought about them in his, in his mind, in his thoughts. And God didn't dream small, did he? He dreamed big. He dreamed intense. He dreamed monumental. He dreamed colorful. He dreamed imaginatively because no one had ever done it before. <laughs> no one had ever seen creation before. No one had come up with stars before or planets or the sun. So God dreamed bold. He dreamed abundant. He dreamed about something that would reflect his glory because the heavens reflect the glory of God. And then he dreamed even bigger. He dreamed about someone who could reflect his image, who would carry his likeness, who would be like him, creative, imaginative, sensitive, relational, having a will, intelligent. He made man and woman. That's how we're made in his image. I'll say that again. He made us to be sensitive, imaginative, creative, relational, having a will, intelligent. So he began to work. He called forth things forth. He saw that they were good. Each day for six days God worked. He worked a good work. He saw that it was a work and on the sixth day God saw all that he had made and said it is very good. So having finished the work he had been doing, God rested from his creative work on the seventh day. God began and God finished his creation. God began it he conceived it, he began it, and he finished it. That's a really important point. Just think about it. What God began, what he conceived, he created, and he finished. So in the fullness of time, man and woman sinned. They turned in rebellion and fell from that place of purity and blamelessness in God's presence. Their purity and their blamelessness was actually in doing God's will from the heart freely. They oversaw his work, they tilled his garden, they cared and named his animals. They were filled with God's knowledge and understanding. Tending his garden, bringing forth his fruit, reflecting his glory. And in that fall, the purity and the brightness of his image in them was lost. And in their sin, the relationship and the blamelessness that they had with God was forfeited. The knowledge of God was dimmed. The darkness descended on their understanding and they took pleasure in themselves and their appetites rather than in God. It was indeed a mighty and a great fall. But God did not give up on his dream so easily. He began a new work, a good work, a very good work through the good news of his son and Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection, the grace of God has come to all men. His kindness and his love appeared and when we were dead in our sins he saved us. He began the work of his saving grace. And God has fixed a day when that work of saving grace will be thoroughly finished. The day of Jesus Christ. It's mentioned six times in this little epistle. It's the day which the Father has set by his own authority. It's not a day that's to be set, it's a day that has been set. A day which God will be fully glorified in the Son of God. And a day in which the work that God has done in us will be to the praise of his glorious grace. 
it will be utterly finished. It's a day when every eye will see him. It's a day when every knee will bow to him. It's a day when the Father has fixed and he's working his saving power. Verse 6 says these words, He that has begun the good work in you will carry it on until the day of Jesus Christ. He that has begun the good work. Who began the good work of creation and he finished it? Who has begun the good work of salvation and who will carry it on to completion, to perfection until the day of Christ? The good work was not begun without thought. This word begun does not mean kind of started like a resolution to be stopped. It means with intent and with purpose. It was inaugurated, to use a, a long word, to be executed with perfection in the same way that he spoke his word and life came into being and lights came into being and the earth was. God has begun the work in us with a view to completing it, seeing he has the power and the grace to complete it. He is a starter finisher kind of God. What God has prepared and is preparing in us is for the glory of his Son on that day. It's not a light work. It's not a casual work. It's not a kind of, I chose it one day, I decided to become a Christian kind of work. No, God began a good work in us and he's carrying it on. He is not giving up. He is perfecting this work for his glory until the day when Jesus comes. Praise the Lord. That's a good time to say praise the Lord. I think so. Amen. Out of the ashes, his hope has arisen. Out of the darkness, his light has come. Out of the weakness, his strength has arisen. And out of hopelessness, hope has been manifested. He is the author and finisher of our faith. He has all the glory. You've got the point how powerful this word is that he wrote to the Philippian church. He that began the good work in you will perform it will carry it on to completion. So how did the work in Philippi begin? Well, Paul seemed to be a little bit lost in his second missionary journey. I don't know if you've read it. He kind of tried to go here, but the Holy Ghost wouldn't let him go. He tried to go there and nothing seemed to happen. And then he had this vision of a, of, of a man saying, come over. And so they thought about it and they perceived that God had um, was calling them over and they went to Troas and then they came uh, to Philippi and uh, there was no synagogue there so he usually went to synagogue so he went instead to the place of prayer by the river outside the city and there some women were praying there and he spoke to them and one of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia a dealer in purple she was a worshipper of God the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message who began the good work in Philippi And how did he begin it? He opened her heart. So did, did, uh, who has the glory? God, because he does the work. He opened her heart. And what did she do when he opened her heart? She opened her home. And when she and the members of her house were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. So God does what only he can do. And we do what we can do. God opened her heart, she opened her home. And Paul remembers with great affection the church there. 
says, this is my prayer. No, we moved it. Sorry, I, I cancelled that bit out. He, he says these words, I thank my God every time I remember you. That's such a lovely expression, isn't it? Every time I remember you, I thank God for you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership, your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. How did Lydia share in the gospel? She opened her home. It's a very practical way to, to share in the gospel, isn't it? She opened her home. She said, come and stay with us. And how did that church carry on sharing in the gospel with Paul? They sent him money. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that next week. So, because of their partnership, their sharing in the gospel, Paul was convinced that God was at work with them. And so he knew that he that began the good work in them would complete it until the day of Christ. And it says, It's only right for me to feel this way about you since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. So Paul's confidence in prayer is this, that God is at work in them. So when we pray, we're joining in God's work. We're not persuading God to work, but we're joining with Him, we're participating in Him, we're in partnership with Him. Otherwise it starts with us, but it doesn't start with us, it starts with Him. So we can pray with confident joy because God is at work in you. And prayer is joining in God in His work. Amen? Paul has the faith because he knows God is at work in them. He, for he goes on to say in chapter 2 verse 13, It is God who works in you to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. So, what is happening at the beginning of this year? God is at work in you. God is at work in you. Isn't that exciting? I think it's incredible. God is at work. The same God that framed the whole of the world and the whole of creation and all of the stars and he made it absolutely perfectly for his glory is at work in me to bring forth that which is for his glory. It tells us in James that he brought us forth by the exercise of his will. Revelation tells us we were created for his pleasure and for his glory. So you think of the creation and you think that is for God's pleasure. Well, it, you were created for his pleasure and for his glory. You share God's grace in it with me and I long for you all with Christ's love. That's a wonderful way to pray, isn't it? Longing with Christ's love. Often I find myself praying from a state of anxiety rather than a state of love. But as we reframe and just see what God is doing, we see, I long for you all with Christ's love. And if God is at work, what do I need to do? See, this is always the tension. If God is working, do I need, what do I need to do? And it, this lovely example of Lydia just opening her home. God opened her heart and she opened her home. But his joy with the church in Philippi was that they became sharers in the gospel. And, and what that word means is that they were co-owners co of it. See, the, the moment comes when in, in, um, in, a, in a young person's life that's growing up, your, your sons and your daughters, where they begin to co-own, to co-share, as it were, 
in the home and in life. It's not just about receiving. It's about participating. It's about taking ownership and taking responsibility. And he said, I know God's at work in you because you now own the gospel. You received it. You received all of its benefits and all of its blessings. But now you own it. Now, now it's invested in you. And you're invested in it. We invest our everything in this amazing grace. It's become our, our hope. It's become our joy. And we fix our hope completely on it. You become sharers in this gospel. You become sharers in it in, in, in the much as you have the blessings of it, but now you participate in it. Now you're sharing it out. Now you're communicating it. Now you're part of it in this world. And, and I know that's God's work. God did that. God is at work in you. And so just as Adam was put on the earth to fill, to till the land, keep it in order and bring fruit forth fruit, so God has left us, as it were, to bring forth his glory and his grace working together with this incredible gospel of grace, this incredible gospel of the good news, which will be to his glory on that day. And that's the background to his prayer. So quite a long introduction to the prayer. And it's, it's not a prayer, it's not one of the prayers that we kind of quote an awful lot, but I wanted to say all that so that we'd really get in an understanding of what this prayer is about. So is everyone kind of with me so far okay this is my prayer this is Paul's prayer for the Philippian church that your love may abound more and more now that word abound means increase and overflow that it might abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so you can discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So I'm just going to unpack this quite briefly. Right? So he is praying for their participation in God's purposes. So the base of his prayer is that their love would increase. But it's not like, he doesn't want their love to increase in a kind of directionless way he says I pray that your love will increase with a sense of purpose with an understanding of who God is and what he wants in you and for your community and the world that is about you so he prays that your love may increase more and more in knowledge and depth of insight and I couldn't help but thinking you know when God created Adam he created him with a real understanding of God a real understanding of God's creation and a real understanding of, of Adam's purpose in that creation. Adam was not on a holiday doing nothing. God gave him responsibility. He gave him responsibility to rule over his creation, to care for it, to tend it, to, to not just to name the animals and give them name, but to, be, to oversee them to oversee what was going on in God's world. And Adam, to do that, had incredible knowledge of God and fellowship with him and understanding with him. And Paul prays, I pray that your love would increase with knowledge and depth of insight, that you might kind of have an understanding of the purposes of God for your life. That you might have an understanding of what God is doing in your community and in your world and your place and your part in that community. 
I pray that you may be able to discern. That means you have um, the ability to kind of separate one thing from another and, and understand what is best. And that word best actually means the things that are above, the things that are superior, the things that are right. I pray that you can discern what is best, that you may be pure and blameless. And that's not about kind of all the things I don't do to make me morally right and separate from everybody else. That's about walking and knowing and fulfilling the purposes of God in the way that Adam fulfilled them in the garden. And, and therefore you'll be filled with the fruit of righteousness, which is actually um, here not the gift of righteousness, but it's here's the outworking of that in everything that you do and everything you are. And that will come through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This is such a powerful prayer. It's such a deep prayer. Church, God has called you, called us for his purposes. And I pray that your love would increase and your knowledge would grow and your understanding would, 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 would actually match up to what God wants for us. And therefore would be filled with God's fruit of righteousness which comes to his glory. So God works in us that he might work through us for the glory of Jesus Christ and the praise of God. Yeah? Thank you, Lord. He's kind of, let me just put it another way. He says you're free, but he prays that your love would increase in an understanding and in a form way that lines up with the will of God for this world. Because as we walk through, as we walk through this, we'll be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. So that day is coming. Whether it's in our lifetime or our children's lifetime or the children's children's lifetime, every generation um, has the call of God to fulfill the purposes of God for that generation. And that's his prayer for this church. So, in this context, as I said, being pure and blameless is not focused on kind of the things that I do as much or the things that I don't do. Although it's really important, this isn't about sexual purity or not swearing or not drinking to excess or loving the world although that's important they can be a negative and a religious a religious morally based religion that that is not at the heart of what God is saying here being pure and blameless in the biblical context is wider than that it's about being God's children on the earth and showing what he is like so that if you by chance bumped into Adam about his day before the fall you'd know what God is like you'd know God's heart because you could see what he was doing and how he was doing it it's about shining like lights like stars in the sky as he says later on doing everything without grumbling or arguing that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and a crooked generation shining like stars holding fast to the word of life. So the fruit of righteousness is all the things we do in his name in fulfilling what he has called us to do as the people of God. It's walking in the good works that God has prepared for us. It's showing forth the will in the heart of God that he is kind. That he is merciful. That he is love that he has a heart for this world. He has shown thee, O man, what is good and what it is the Lord requires of thee but to walk humbly. Thanks, Alec, for reminding of that. To do justly. Yeah? 
to walk humbly with God, to show mercy. So I want to pray that our love will increase, but not increase just in a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling way. I like nice, warm, fuzzy feelings. Kind of makes the world go round a bit more. When you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you do generally feel really good. And that's powerful, and we need to be filled so much. But it's, I pray that your love would increase in knowledge. And that's not, forgive me because I read Greek as well, that's not understanding the Greek, although the Greek is really important to understand what he's saying. But it's, it's, the, it's the knowledge of God's heart. It's the knowledge of his being. And, and depth of insight so that you can discern. You know what's best. You know what's the superior way. You know what's the better way. And, and, and that's not that we might be kind of morally separate and, and distant from people. And, 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 but it's that we might be pure and blameless. We might manifest the heart of God. For what? For what? For the day of Christ. Because that day is coming. That day is coming. And when it comes, what's going to happen? He's going to be glorified amongst two, amongst his saints. And, and our faith is going to be shown forth as gold. And it's so important to remind church and remind ourselves from time to time that he, that day is fixed. And the whole of human history is actually working to one purpose. And one purpose only. It is working towards the day of Christ. Because Jesus Christ is Lord. That is the um, that is the offensive message that the early church bore. And it's the offensive message that we must recapture. That Jesus Christ is Lord. That the whole of history is actually moving towards that. Nothing is as important as the day of Christ. And in the light of that day, it sharpens us up. And as we prepare for it to being filled with the fruit of righteousness, which is doing the things that God has put us on earth to do, that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Should we, should we just pray? Should we, can I just kind of invite you to stand? And as we pray these prayers, it actually gives us real confidence, which is why I called this talk Praying with Confident Joy. And we're confident because God is a starter, finisher kind of God. And we know that because what he started... In creation, he finished. So what he started in salvation, he's going to finish. He is going to finish it to his glory and to his praise. Just as the creation is to the glory and the praise of God. So this salvation, this amazing gospel of grace, where God has redeemed us and brought us back to his fellowship and to his relationship and to his family and to a knowledge of God he's going to finish that work to the glory and praise of God and, and our prayer is, is, is that God you have begun a work in us as individuals as us as a church us as a church in the city us as a church in the nation us as a church in the world and you began this good work of oh God and he that's begun it will carry it on to completion. Whether it's your return, Lord, or our death, 
we know that we won't be put to shame because you are faithful and you're able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. And Lord, as we see you at work, may the affection that we have for one another arise. And may, Lord, we be as Paul, we says, I thank God every time I remember you. And I feel for you with the same affection that Christ feels for you. Because you're his. Because he's working in you. Because you've shared in this gospel. You've participated in it. You've become co-owners in it. So we just pray, oh God, may your affection arise in us. May your confident joy overflow in us, Lord. May we be a people of outrageous joy because God's at work. May we be people of outrageous love because we have your affection in our hearts. May we be a people who walk in knowledge, Lord. That's not intellectual knowledge. That's the knowledge of your heart and your purposes and your grace. And Lord, may we discern what's best and may we be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. And may we be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Lord, that's my prayer for us, echoing your apostles' prayer for our church, Lord. For fruit, the fruit of righteousness. Lord, as we enter this year, Lord, may we be fruitful. May our relationships be fruitful. May our friendships with people in the world be fruitful. May our Alpha course be fruitful, Lord. May our children's work be fruitful. May everything we do, Lord, be fruitful. Because it's through Jesus. And it's to your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, God. Mm. Hallelujah. How are we doing? Should we sing one more time? Yeah. Be good if you uh, just like to respond a little bit. We thought we'd just save a little bit of the worship till now. Another occasion. Oh, yeah. And if you'd like to pray, we'd have some open time of prayer as well. Just let. Uh, yeah some time just Lord just come among us help us to pray help us to respond help us kind of just to yeah just respond to, to your heart Lord and once again thank you for the work that you've begun that you're carrying it on you haven't left it you've not gone on holiday you're working thank you Jesus Amen I start